podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together, we are the Minimalists. Today, we're going to talk about success. We're going to talk about successful people. And we're going to talk about how the world's most successful people launched their careers with our guest, Alex Benayan is here. He's the author of the new book, The Third Door. Alex, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, dude. Now, we definitely want to talk about about your book. Here it is for the folks watching on YouTube. Beautiful cover, by the way. Crazy story behind that cover, too. We can share for another time. Yeah, well, well, we're gonna we're gonna dive into yeah. to your book, but first, I thought it'd be appropriate to start with some questions from our audience. So, our first question today is from Cassandra in Vancouver, Washington. What's up, Cassandra? <laughs> I am one of many people who feel like they don't have a passion, and this is why I love the idea of cultivating a passion. Um, but where I get lost is how does someone cultivate a passion? Based on what I've listened to in this p- podcast, it involves committing yourself to a certain path despite uncertainty and putting in the work even though it's not always fun. However, is there ever a time when you have to admit it just isn't working and move on? Um, That the passion you're trying to cultivate cannot really be conjured? So Ryan and I often talk about how follow your passion is crappy advice, right? Because you see it at like on successory yeah. posters at universities and stuff where like, it, it's just, it it's, sounds great. It's, it's very esoteric it? though. Yeah. You can't really wrap your hands around it. Right. right. So, so the better advice, uh, our friend Cal Newport, who's been on the podcast before, he wrote a great book called So Good They Can't Ignore You. He talks about cultivating your passion and sort of putting in the hard work, what Seth Godin might call the dip mm-hmm. um, and, and and drudging through the drudgery is what I, what I might call it. And so what Cassandra is asking here is like, okay, she doesn't want to follow her passion. She hears us talk about cultivating passion, but is there a time where we have to just say, you know what? This isn't working. And I, I think my thought is, yeah, there are occasionally with some with some passions where, okay, like I was really passionate about playing basketball. Mm-hmm. I never was going to make it to the NBA though, right? And and so if my, if my passion was basketball, that doesn't mean that I have to make it, it to the NBA in order to do something that still aligns with my passion 100%. in a way, right? There, there, there are adjacent passions. I could be a coach or a trainer or uh, a... Um, someone who's who's in that industry right mm-hmm. um a sports agent even mm-hmm. and, and so there are different things mm-hmm. that, that i could do that are adjacent and even now with what ryan and i do um we started out writing and now we're doing this podcast yeah. thing which is adjacent <laughs> to how this whole thing started but it still aligns with with our passion so mm-hmm. um in, in your book alex which uh what we're going to talk a whole lot more about but you have some sort of case studies in here of of successful people mm-hmm. who have certainly called cultivated some passions can you talk to cassandra about Wait, about this can i topic? tee this up for you though man tee it up all right dude so in your book this you, is uh, great <laughs> you, you talk you talked to dean Kamen, uh, and this question wow is, first of all thank you for loving that chapter because i think it's the most it's my favorite and no one wants to talk about it so i guess maybe with that experience can you kind of answer cassandra's question well 
or or you can talk about that chapter and maybe you know the dean cayman chapter there's a lot of aspects to it Mm -hmm. i think with cassandra's question specifically Mm -hmm. when you don't necessarily know even what your passion is Mm -hmm. and what i find really interesting about it is over the past year specifically I've seen a lot of people, it doesn't matter what their age is, it's really a stage in life. They can be 16 or 60 and they have the same question as Cassandra. And I'll say two things. One, a higher level thing, and one, something more practical you can wrap your hands around. So the higher level thing is the word passion is extremely intimidating and I would just advise people to abandon it completely. Mm, I like that. A simple synonym that you can use that actually is more useful in your life is what am I enthusiastic about? Because mm. everyone knows what they're enthusiastic about. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, forget about even careers. If you're just talking about friends, you're like, oh, which friend am I passionate about hanging out with? I don't know. Yeah. But which friend do I feel really enthusiastic about hanging out with this weekend? Oh, I can tell you right now. Yeah. I like that because I think it's also different from excitement. And because uh, too often I think we confuse pa- excitement for passion and we get excited about a little idea. But it doesn't actually translate into Enthusiasm a passion. Enthusiasm comes from like a deep yeah. well within you and you don't know where it's coming from. Right. All you know is like you really want to do it. Yeah. Um, so that's the high level thing. Mm-hmm. Now, a very practical thing that I'll tell Cassandra or anyone else who wants to find their passion or their path is something I call the 30-day challenge. Okay. And it is really cool because it is the simplest thing I can tell someone to do. And it's, you know, changed the lives of like thousands of people at this point. Mm. So this is how it works. Um it's super, super important that you go to like a CVS or a Dwayne Reed and you buy a notebook, a fresh, you know, $1 notebook mm-hmm. because your mind knows the difference between writing on a scrap piece of paper and a fresh notebook. So get a new notebook and write, you know, 30 day challenge on the cover. Okay. And then for the next 30 days in a row, commit, you know, a specific time of the day, whether it's first thing in the morning, last thing at night, it's important to have the same time of the day. And it's important this is 30 days in a row. You know, not 30 days over nine months. Got to commit. Got to commit. And these are the three things you're going to do. You're going to journal on these three questions. The first one is what made me feel enthusiastic today? Mm. You know, what filled me with enthusiasm today? That's the first question. And again, it's important. It's not, you know, what was fun today or what made me happy today? No, it's what filled me with enthusiasm today. Yeah. That's the first question. Mm -hmm. The second question is what drained me of energy today? What drained me of energy today? Mm. And again, the question is not what did my boss say that pissed me off? It's not, you know, what did my boyfriend say that drove me? You know, it's what, what drained me of energy today? And the third one is what did I learn about myself today? Mm. What did I learn about myself today? And this is what happens. People are going to hear this and they're going to be like, oh, great, I'm going to do it. And they're going to do it for like three days. And they're like, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> And then, you know, maybe by the seventh or eighth day. They're ready to give up. Yeah, Yeah. it's not even they're ready to give up. They just, they feel like they got all the juice out of the lemon, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And maybe they'll keep going. And then what's going to happen on the like 17th day, they're going to start hating me. Because it's (laughs) going to start feeling dumb. They're not going to see anything come out of this mm. but what i'll tell people is it's on like the 28th day and the 29th day and the 30th day that you finally start seeing patterns okay and it's a very faint neon sign pointing you in your direction mm. i like All that right. so <clears throat> the reason why i brought up the dean cayman chapter is because when i hear cassandra's question she's like how do i cultivate a passion what i've heard so far on this podcast is work really hard commit drudge to the drudgery i think i mean that part of her question i think 
she she answered. I mean, it is, yeah. <clears throat> and what you just gave was an example of committing. It was drudging through that drudgery. Day eight is drudgery. Day seventeen is even more drudgery. So so she knows how to cultivate a a, a passion to to an extent uh, of of committing and, and the things that we talk about with the Dean Cayman chapter. You were ready to give up. And I think that is not that even is, ready. I <clears throat> was yeah. giving up. Yeah. Yeah. So like this, this is where I think for me, this is the most important part of, of cultivating a passion is when do you decide yeah. to give up? So, uh, Dean frame, uh, Dean, Dean has this, uh, this example of kissing frogs and you were asking him pretty much what Cassandra was asking, but when do I know, when do I know I need yeah. to give up? So, so I guess maybe, that that's what that's what I was trying to tee up with D. Cayman is, you know, when do you know to give up? Well, you know, we've all heard those stories of, you know, like Colonel Sanders, you know, got rejected 500 times, whatever, you know, right. or, you know, Howard Schultz of Starbucks, you know, got, you know, rejected by 400 investors. We've all like heard those stories. And the question mm -hmm. is like, well, why didn't they give up after like 300 investors? Right. You know, what made them keep going? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know the story. I went to this man named Dean Cayman, who is undeniably the most accomplished investor alive in America, inventor alive in America right now. He created, you know, the bionic arm, the Segway, the water purifier, the drug infusion pump. And I go to this guy after getting more rejections than I've ever had in my life trying to reach Warren Buffett. And I'm thinking if there's ever going to be a person who can tell me when to keep going and when to cut my losses, it has to be Dean Kamen. Yeah. And you were looking for someone to give you permission, really, right? I mean, that's what I, I took out of it. Yeah. Actually, that's so funny. I've never thought of it that way. That's saying permission to give up. Yeah. And that's, what, and that's what Cassandra's asking for. When do I give myself permission to give up? Wow, that's a really good way to see it. And... Sorry this is like all of the therapy. No, it's like a therapy <laughs> session now. I, I was. I was looking for someone with... I was giving authority to... Mm to tell me it's okay. Mm -hmm. Cause I had spent eight months sort of getting punched in the face yeah. and I go to Dean Kamen, you know, he has this like lab secret laboratory in like, you know, New Hampshire where like literally Bill Gates goes to Dean Kamen for science advice. And I'm in like his secret lab and I'm like, you know, when do you give up? And he's like very dramatic. He like leans in and he's like, I don't know. He's like, I, he's like, I don't know. And, I, and literally in my head, I'm like 21. I'm like, I fucking came all the way here just to hear, I don't know from the smartest man on earth. Like, this is bullshit, you know? And what he goes on to say is that is the single hardest part of doing something new. Because if inherently, if you were doing, and I love the example he gave of Lewis and Clark. He's yeah. like, if you're the second person, you know, if Lewis Clark goes and does and you have the map, you know when to give up, when not, because you can see the map when you're on the right path or not. Right. Because you're not doing something new. If you are doing something new, inherently the hardest part is the unknown aspect of the equation. Mm. And whether it's Cassandra figuring out, you know, if her passion is on the right track or not, or if it's, you know, Dean came and inventing a new, you know, life-saving device, it is the hardest part. And what he gave, he gave some very practical, like a checklist that was helpful for me. And I'm, you know, very grateful for that experience. Yeah. No, that was, that was one of my favorite parts, man, because he wasn't giving you permission to give up. He actually, for me, he was giving you permission to keep going. And to feel what I was, and to feel my frustration. Yeah. And, and that's what I want to that tell, was, yeah, that's, that's what I want to tell Cassandra is like, keep going. If you really are wow. cultivating a passion, 
like you keep going with it. Don't, don't ask yourself, where's my excuse to give up? It's where's my excuse to keep going. And what, what Dean mm, kind of presented wow. to you was looking at it. <clears throat> well, Tony Robbins asks people a lot because they'll talk about, you know, my passion and I've tried everything and I want to give up. And Tony will be like, you tried everything. Really? <laughs> Tell me the 100 things you've tried. Oh, well, I tried this, this, and this. And it's like, yeah, but there are still 97. Like, yeah, that's four people. That's that, four things. Right, so. exactly. So, and that's what I, I think Dean did for you there is he was like, well, maybe you're looking at it wrong. Maybe you're, you're trying, you know, you're not, you're, you need to try something different essentially. Yeah. So with Cassandra, I mean, I would say give up when you've exhausted every single path, when you have exhausted every single opportunity and you really have hit a dead end and you can look in the mirror and be like, this is going nowhere. Okay, then give up. But until then, like, I don't think Josh or I will ever give Cassandra permission to give up. Yeah. But one thing, oh, go ahead. Something I just wanted to wrap, to put a bow on this, because I think you really like teed it up, is that something that I learned from Jeff Bezos is this thing called the regret minimization framework. And when you're making seemingly impossible life decisions where there is no right answer and there's no one you can turn to, the best person to turn to is your 90-year-old self. Mm. So what Jeff Bezos talks about is, you know, close your eyes and imagine yourself, you know, like in a rocking chair at 90 years old and ask that 90-year-old version of yourself, do you regret giving up on that? I love that. And sometimes the answer will be no. You're not. I, I think quite often the answer will be no because we we treat many things as if they are they're so consequential. When right. we, when we pan out on a long enough timeline, everything is inconsequential. Yeah. Um, and right. On a long enough timeline, we're all dead and we regret nothing. Right. And the sun <laughs> explodes five hundred right. million years from now right. or whatever. All right. It end is. of podcast. Thanks for <laughs> joining, <laughs> uh, Cassandra. Let me send you two books. I'm going to send you a copy of The Third Door. And uh, I also uh, want to send you a copy of our book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. Uh, in that book, we talk about the, the five values, and one of them is passion. We talk about cultivating a passion, or another way to look at it is creativity, uh, because I, I think most uh, passions involve creation. Mm. Uh, generally not consumption, right? Yeah. Uh, we get confused, though. We're like, well, I'm, I'm really excited about going and consuming this thing. But I find that real passion is derived from consuming less and creating more. So can, there's an entire chapter can in... Can I give Cassandra one more piece of advice before we go on? No, but you can give Cassandra one more piece of advice. What did I say? Cassandra? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, here, here's the thing is maybe before she decides whether or not she's going to quit this passion that she's on, maybe she needs to look at what does she expect out of a passion hmm. because if you approach it wow. with because we're all passionate about something i'm passionate about being friends with josh you mentioned you know passionate about being you know a uh, passionate about a friend that you have so is her passion really saying what can i do that i'm going to make money at and never have to work another day in my life if that's hmm. her expectation that's gonna that's gonna kill any passion that yeah. she has so i would just encourage uh cassie <laughs> just remix edition yeah. <laughs> no I would encourage her to really ask herself what is it that she expects out of this passion and that might help her reframe what she's working towards as well 
Love it. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Indeed we do. We are at The Minimalists on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Alex, what, is, what are your uh, your social handles? On all of them, Twitter, Instagram, at Alex Benayan. There we go. Cool. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Now, Alex, what we typically try to do here is we answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. Love it. Great. Uh, we put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so people can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if they want and now they can find all of our minimal maxims in one place minimalmaxims.com now alex we can just maunder on a little bit we can ramble <laughs> and then we'll, we'll we'll put something together that's that's uh, tweetable or at least podcast sean will in the show notes Great. our first question ryan our first question is from tiffany what is your definition of success alex what's your definition of success because your, your whole book is about i mean the, the subtitle here is the wild quest to uncover how the world's most successful people launch their careers. So how do we define success? Wow, this is a new constra- – you know, because I have like a 30-minute – Well, yeah. You know, well, just, you read the Wozniak oh, chapter two, which was yes. to me really hits it. Yeah. Um, but if I had to, you know, really distill it down into one, you know, sentence. Pithy answer, yeah. Doing what you want, how you want to do it. Mm-hmm. How you want to do it. I, I like, like that, that man. Because yeah, I, I think a lot awesome. of people might do what they want, uh-huh. but do it the way other people expect them to do it. Well, also, I... And that's not success to me either. But mm. I also, uh, I like the distinction because doing what you want when you want to do it is actually tyranny. Uh, I, I think my, mm. my daughter's six years old, and if I let her do what she wants when she wants to do it, she'll go play in traffic or she'll like right. sh- she'll watch her tablet for 15 hours wow, a day. That's a good point, yeah. um, and, and so I think we, we need to be careful with doing what you want, but but I, I like I like the what you have appended there, how you uh, want to do it as opposed to when you want to do it because yeah. real freedom involves wow. a particular kind of discipline, yes. right? Ryan, what is your pithy answer? Man, it's not nearly as good as Alex's, but mine is this <laughs> success and happiness is a byproduct of living a meaningful life. So what I mean by that is, you know, you might have uh, an aunt or a grandmother or a friend who's going through some really hard times and you are focusing, you know, the majority of your, of your hours outside of work, just taking care of this, this family member or this friend mm-hmm. th- that can be successful. Success doesn't mean having a podcast with 12 million downloads every, or where are we? Where are we? I don't know where we're at, but <laughs> I mean, but, but I mean, it's, but, but really though, it is funny because you can look at Josh and I, and you can look at Alex and say, oh yeah, we're successful, but it's not about the metrics. It's not about, well, I finally, for you, I think Alex, maybe success was finally maybe getting this book out. And it's not about being on a New York Times bestseller list. It's not about selling however many copies. It's really about you wanted to put the work in. You wanted to create a book that was meaningful for your generation. And you did that. And that that is success. So so it's it's success is, you know, it's to the eye of the beholder, really. But I will tell you that if you focus on living a meaningful life rather than on money, rather than on uh, Twitter followers, if you focus on living a meaningful life, success will be a byproduct of your life. Well, I'm going to pin that with my, my pithy answer here, Ryan, and uh, it is this. 
success isn't measured by ephemera. Mm. So we, there are all these ephemeral things like mm. the, the Twitter followers oh, or, or, or whatever, right? Yeah. And, and so sometimes I think in order to define something, sometimes we have to look at what it isn't. Mm. And so Ryan and I are working on a new book right now. It's called Love People Use Things. It's our fourth book. And here's a little excerpt that... <laughs> That's uh, great. And so I'm going to just... This is a sneak peek into the... I think it's the third chapter. So it's a book about the eight essential relationships in our life. And one of those relationships is our relationship with with ourselves yeah. right and and so this is my little pithy answer there about success isn't measured by ephemera reminded me of this this little excerpt here the great mystery of contribution is that by giving yourself to others you get more you're not only helping them you're helping yourself when done with care giving and self self-improvement are self-fertilizing mechanisms the more you give, the more you grow. The more you grow, the more you have to give. In tandem, these attributes provide a sturdy foundation for a great life. Greatness isn't measured by ephemera. So that's where I got that from. The success isn't measured by ephemera, but also greatness is not. No one cares how much money Abraham Lincoln had in the bank when he gave the Gettysburg Address, or how much land Seneca owned when he wrote on the shortness of life, or how many Instagram followers Harriet Tubman had during her 13 missions to rescue enslaved people. Greatness is measured by our ability to positively influence the world around us. And to do so, we must first care for the self. Amen. And so it's, it's sort of the... Uh, Can I put that on my wall? No, I'm serious. <laughs> I have that one word? That's so... Here you go, Alex. It's all you. Um, it's an excerpt from Love People Use Things, which wow. is not available and you cannot buy it. When, so. is it, when does it come out? Uh, 2021. So, uh, so yeah. just, wow, talk about just the a little ultimate bit of time. teaser of a <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, I got one page. <laughs> it's going on eBay for auction. <laughs> Ryan, what's the That's next question? Amazing. All right, our next question is from Juliana. What are the exercise habits of successful people? What about their caffeine and alcohol consumption? What does that look like? Well, let me let me give you something pithy here, and you tell me what you think about this, Alex. So, uh, Juliana is asking for like specific metrics or characteristics and so my, my pithy answer is this the characteristics that make one person successful might make you miserable mm. and a miserable successful person is a failure so i think that's the yeah. tweetable part there sean a miserable successful person is a failure because if you're doing all these things that that get you success and you have 80 million instagram followers but mm. you're absolutely miserable and lonely and bored and not fulfilled and not satisfied yeah. and you yeah. feel like you're not creating you feel like you're not contributing you feel like you're not growing then are you really successful yeah. who are you living for yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think of Chi Lu in your book, and he, you know, the Chi time, and like that to me is like he's probably the most successful person in the book. I feel like, um, and actually turned out to be one of your biggest connections too, which is crazy how you even got amazing. to him. I'm just I'm just teasing your book here for people to want to pick up and read the story, but but when I think about Chi Lu's habits though, like that would I don't I'm not perfect for him. Horrible. Yeah. For us. My body doesn't run that way. Yeah. 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 So so what do you think about when it comes to people's exercise routines, alcohol, caffeine consumption, like what, what, what would you, what would you tell this person? Yeah, did you notice any, cause you, you've talked to a lot of successful people. Did you notice any sort of commonalities? Yeah. What's interesting is, you know, my book is not a, you know, health and wellness book in theory, but if you're actually studying success, that's part of it. Cause if you're looking at success in life, health and wellness is part of life and health as well, of course. And what I realized 
is across the board, they're relatively healthy. You know, they're all to, and again, too, if you're mentally, you know, agile and healthy and doing great things, you're not sitting around eating fast food on the couch. You know, right. there's a great quote, you know, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Mm. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So relatively, you know, they're not, you know, doing crazy drugs. They're not eating horrible food. They're on the healthier side. Yeah. Now, I think what a lot of people, and this is something I'm like super obsessed with. There's this big obsession right now with like morning routines and health hacking and there is not one way. And I think the people who are obsessed with one way are doing it out of fear mm. of what if I don't optimize my life enough, what will happen? I will suffer. And they're it's looking a, for a template. It's a fear of suffering. Yeah. And the w reason I can talk about this is I've been through it. Mm -hmm. It's a fear of suffering. So what I'll tell the person, you know, my quick answer on this is experiment and find what works for you. Yeah. When you feel good, you'll do good. Period. I love that. No, it's absolutely true. I mean, it's it kind of kind of leads into my pithy answer, which is uh, good health doesn't create success; it aids it. So what I what what I mean by that is don't rely, on, and again with what Josh was saying, don't rely on other people's exercise routines, don't rely on other people's diets. Uh, that is what works for them, and it's great to look at different recipes right. and it's great to take those ingredients and then create your own yes, recipe that yes, works for you. Yes. But, but looking at, looking at uh, health and looking at, you know, your, in, your drug intake, I mean, you know, caffeine and alcohol is a drug like that is not going to lead to success. It's going to aid success. And really it's only going to aid success if you're doing it appropriately, appropriately for your life. You know, I'll say, I'll say this, uh, Mason Curry has a book about daily rituals of creative people. I don't know if you've ever, ever read it, but, um, it's fascinating. I did notice some commonalities among these 160 or so case studies he had in there. Everything from Mozart to David Foster Wallace to Mary Carr. Like, it, they they had three things or two things in common, and it actually in, involved uh, Juliana's question here. Almost all of them walked daily, like walked quite a bit in silence. So like, yeah, I I just had. Um, Ryan Holiday on the podcast while, while Ryan was gone. Well, Ryan, I brought another Ryan while Ryan was gone. <laughs> I'm very easily replaceable. <laughs> and uh, he's just a good, opened his phone, typed in Ryan, and just saw who's there. <laughs> uh, he has a new book out called uh, "Stillness Is the Key." It actually, comes out in October. And uh, one of the things he talked about is the having the time alone without the other people's thoughts uh, sort of bombarding your thoughts. And so walking allows you to do that. But then also there was a commonality of either caffeine and or alcohol with almost every single mm. one of the the creative people. And hopefully you steer more toward the, the caffeine than, than the alcohol. Yeah. Uh, it's strange. It's like almost like there's a creative crutch with uh, with a lot of creative people. Anyway, Alex, uh, we have a bunch more surprise questions here this Let's week. Let's do it. I'm going to give you a, a quick rundown. How do successful people manage toxic coworkers? How do successful people typically deal with failure? You talk a lot. I mean, your whole book is sort of about failure in, in many ways. I want to talk to you about that. How do successful people stay motivated before 
they become successful. How do successful people recognize the right opportunity from just good opportunities? This is a question mm. for someone who's been listening to our minimal maxims. That's because going to be for you, we, man. We, one, one of our, our minimal maxims, we often talk about this, is... Uh, just because something is a good opportunity doesn't mean it's the right opportunity. Also, how do successful people with kids navigate their home lives? The sort of work-life balance thing there. And uh, what is the one skill every successful person must have? Plus, we need some suggestions for transitioning out of a dead-end career and much, much more with you, Alex. we got a whole lot to talk about. And if you want to hear all that, you can listen to this week's Maximal episode available exclusively on Patreon. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly Minimal episode. But each week, Ryan and I record an entirely different, much longer Maximal episode on the Minimalist's private podcast, which gives us the private space we need to talk about topics we don't usually discuss in public. Plus, Patreon is the best way for us to fund this podcast and keep it 100% advertisement free. When you subscribe to the Minimalist Private Podcast on Patreon, you'll receive a personal link so that our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. Find all the details and all the good stuff over at theminimalists.com slash support. And also, it's probably worth noting, we're capping our Patreon supporters at 6,000 patrons, and we're already two-thirds of the way there. So what does Too Short say? Get in where you fit in. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, too, who's Mr. Short? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, what else you got for us this week? Being informed is more important than ever. So, as always, I want to encourage people to read more and get informed. And now, here are some voicemail tips and tricks from our listeners. Hi, my name is Stephanie. I'm in Denver, Colorado. I was just calling as a, um, a person who has a creative hobby that accumulates a lot of stuff. I really love to crochet, so I have lots of yarn and felt and needles and all sorts of, um, all sorts of accoutrement, I think is the word you like, with, with that hobby. And I actually had turned it into a business on Etsy for about a year, and then I decided I, um, that, that that wasn't a good choice for me. Well, now I have all these items. I have a business-sized store of these items. And the way I decided to handle that was to um, liquidate my stock by creating donation items. I'm making little crochet photo props that I'm going to donate to my local hospital. And so it's it's become a project uh, for me that will both help me minimize the stock that I have on hand, which are, you know, yarn is something that's kind of hard to um, donate, uh, but it's also given me a way to give back to my community in a what I hope is a meaningful way for families that receive these little items that they can possibly, you know, have photos taken of their children and then maybe donate themselves. So um, I just thought that that was a way for artists to handle the I have way too many supplies because it really is a just for, oh, excuse me, a just in case item, not a just for when, when you're holding on to tons and tons and tons of craft supplies. Hi, Joshua and Ryan. Uh, my name is uh, Manny DeTilas from um, Greenville, Delaware. I just listened to your Ask the Minimalist live episode where you mentioned your friend who is a photographer. And I love photography, and I have a recommendation for any fellow photography lovers, including the instagram kind. So I confess I spent way too much money on DSLR cameras and lenses and equipment, over $1,000. And, like, Many other things. It was a never-ending cycle of lust and desire and upgrading, fueled by all the ads and excitement on the photography online forums and magazines. And I finally realized the problem was not the cameras, it was me. 
like you said, it isn't a pen that makes a great writer. So what helped me find peace was using film, like you mentioned, which is why I decided to call in. I actually started using a Fujifilm instant film camera, and the pivotal thing was that each film cartridge holds only 10 shots. So in addition, each shot was roughly 75 cents. So I was forced to become much more intentional with every shot. I would walk around the scene, visualize the best shot from different angles, and only then take a single photo. Also, I quickly found I ended up taking a lot more photos of people I cared about and not of random scenes or parks or sunsets. <clears throat> I think the process revealed my true priorities to me, which was an important surprise. And the other thing is, although each photo was another physical object I had to possess, I found I ended up feeling joy and gratitude each time I tape a new photo of my friends or family on my wall that I can see every day, or put it in my car, uh, you can put it in your wallet. Um, you can also easily give them to other people for them to appreciate too, and I found that people really like this. So I'd recommend checking out an instant film camera if, like me, you were on the digital camera upgrade treadmill and you want to get off. All right, y'all. Thanks again to Alex Benayan for joining us today. Make sure you check out his book. It is called The Third Door. You can find it wherever you get books, including his website, thirddoorbook.com. And real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists. Ryan, while you were gone, podcast Sean and I, we, we put together a recipe. A delicious, delicious recipe. I hope it includes me. <laughs> what is it? It's a recipe for podcasting. So uh, there's a blog post on our website right now called How to Start a Successful Podcast. Podcast Sean gets emails every single week about something. What microphones do you use? How did you start your podcast? Who's your podcast host? Uh, how do you upload? How do you get traffic? How do you get guests? What do you do for soundproofing? All of these different questions. And uh, we sort of, we, we took the, the greatest hits of all the questions and answered all of them in a simple five-step process. So I wrote the five-step process of how to start a podcast, going through one by, one by one each step. And then Sean elaborated on each step in this long 7,000-word excursion. Now, God love Sean, because when we first started this, he turned in a 83-page booklet. No, he did not. <laughs> was it just like a stream of consciousness of like... <laughs> did it have any periods in the sentences? <laughs> a manic one paragraph. Uh, uh, Joycean screed. Oh no, it was 83 That's pages. And, and actually what we did is is we worked together to attenuate it down and we there's additional resources and links and how to use GarageBand to do this and edit... And he really broke it down in these three different categories, pre-production, production, and post-production. So mm -hmm. you've got my five steps. Like, if you want to start a podcast today, here's how you do it. It's really simple. Here's the mic you want to buy. Here's the mics we bought when we first started. Oh, by the way, here are the mics we use today as a more professional setup. But even as a, when we first started, we had good mics to, to start out. And, and it was good enough to start the podcast. I think it was our first 124 episodes or something had those really basic mics that yeah. we used. And we used the conference room at the University of Montana for a long time. And so we didn't have the perfect setup, but we had the setup that was appropriate to get started. You right. don't have to have your own studio space to get started. Absolutely not. And so we have this whole recipe. If you go to theminimalists.com slash microphone, 
I just figured that was an easy URL to remember. It's good. Theminimalists.com slash microphone. You can see our recipe, how Ryan and I, as well as podcast Sean, because he's been with the podcast since day one, how the three of us started this podcast. Eventually, we added video. We talk about that a little bit as well. What we have used, what we use now, you can follow our recipe, or you can change it however you want. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839, or send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. You know, I had someone go to our website this week and they said, where's your pop-up box so I could sign up for your email list? I'm like, what a great idea. <laughs> Just not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bother everyone who visits our website. Are not jokes still cool? <laughs> yes. Oh, sweet. <laughs> that tie is black nut. <laughs> oh, uh, Barat. Barat? 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 Borat. Thank Borat. you. There we go. <laughs> our resident millennial here. Um, Jordan. Anyway, uh, yeah, if you go to our email, you actually have to search how you can sign up for our email. Somehow hundreds of thousands of you have signed up for our email list and people still have trouble finding it. You just go to theminimalists.com and it's right there at the top. It just says there's no giant pop-up. It's not like sign up here and there's like red arrows pointing to it. Um, it, it, When you try to X out from our site, it doesn't like stop you from exiting out. Uh, I was like, it was early this morning. I couldn't sleep. I woke up at 2.30 a.m. Wow. And uh, so eventually I got out of bed like several hours later. And I got on the computer and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to get on here. And I'm researching stuff for this book we're working on. Love people use things. And and I go to this website because I'm, I'm researching. All of a sudden there's like three pop-ups and a video starts playing. And it's, I, for some reason my computer volume's turned way up. And I like, would have thrown my computer out the window <laughs> know, at right? like 5.30 in the morning with that. Like, what is going so no if you go to the minimalists.com it's really calm mm. it's supposed to be it's mimetic of what we're trying to communicate it's a calm oh. experience <laughs> <laughs> you're a genius if you do sign up for our uh, email list uh, you also get our simple Sunday emails each week so just enter your email address over there we'll never send you spam or junk or any of the other stuff for our added value this week Ryan this is a song you are going to love since we're talking about uh, success we're doling out success advice today Let's listen to a, uh, a song called Advice to My Younger Self by Apollo Brown and Locksmith. It's uh, from their album, which is called No Question. I got to check out that album. Yeah, you definitely do. If you leave here today with one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Yo. Hey, yo, little man. Yeah, you, man. I'm talking to you. Come over here, man. Let me holler at you for a second. Yo, yo, put the ball down, man. Some real shit. Listen. What's up, little fella? I know you're happy and feeling hopeful. I know you play with a sense of love and your heart is noble. I know you vocally haven't learned to express whatever repressed trauma. You're still young, you feel it less. And unless you talk about it, it follows you like a cloud or some heavy baggage you had to drag through a crowd. But for now, it's just a drop in the well. You shake it off. Never speak it again till your career's taken off. But we often overlook what we look upon in the rear view. You never touch a drug because your parents won't let it near you. You dabble with addiction to money, women, and stardom. But the camera lens can be a narcotic. Don't try to bargain. If you barter with a sense of morality, more tragic. Before the foundation, I hope you found you some patience. I hope you don't put your faith in man, it never helps. Even trust could be a vice, some advice to my younger self. Younger self, younger self, younger self.
some advice to my younger self. Younger self. Just advice to my younger self. Younger self. Some advice to my younger self. Younger self. Younger self.